Tim and Lori, Wes and Jana, John and Carol, Jody, Dee Dee, Tim and Kathy, the Fergusons, Clay and Susan, uh, our Anderson House Church community, Joe Aprilli, Dave Loy, Joseph, Hannah, Dustin, Gabby. If you were to ask Andrea and me, and even our kids, the names of the people that have impacted our parenting and have impacted our kids toward Jesus, those are some of the names that we would mention. Those were some of the names that our kids mentioned. This morning we're going to wrap up this series, a study on missional parenting, and it's hard to believe, but we, we started this back in May. And when we started, we talked about the target, the bullseye, that parents who follow Jesus are what we're aiming for. And that target is to create an environment for our children to see the value of following Jesus and loving him with all their hearts. Jesus said the greatest commandment, right, is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so that, that's what we're aiming for is to create an environment like that in our home. And we talked about when we started this series that we need to see parenting through three lenses, the lens of discipleship, that parenting is less about parenting, really more about making disciples. And parenting is an opportunity to live out this mission of making disciples. And we need to see parenting through the lens of the gospel, always lifting up and pointing our children and ourselves to Jesus. And then we talked about, too, over the next couple months, um, how do we create this environment? What do we need to teach and disciple our children? What, what truths, what principles? And we looked at Proverbs, we looked at several scriptures, and, and we saw that really if we're going to create this environment, we need to disciple our children to fear the Lord, to respect and listen to God's word, to receive discipline, to obey their parents. We talked about how parents need to set the example, showing their children what it looks like to follow Jesus and love him with all their hearts. And this morning, as we, as we close the series out, we're going to see that if we're going to create this environment, God intends for us as parents to disciple our children with a Christ-centered community. He intends children to be discipled in the context of a God-fearing, Christ-centered community. And so join me in the book of Proverbs, chapter 11. We're going to look at several scriptures this morning. Proverbs chapter 11 is where we'll start. The book of Proverbs is God's wisdom for everyday living. And King Solomon is the author of most of these Proverbs. And he's writing this to his boys, to his kids. And so what we're going to see in these next verses in Proverbs is King Solomon's going to bring out this importance of spending time with a, a community of people who follow God and the importance of that. So Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14, he writes, 
Where there is no guidance, a people fall. But in an abundance of counselors, there's what? Safety. See, there's safety in an abundance, in a community of people who follow Christ. Chapter 13, verse 10. He tells them, by insolence comes nothing but strife, but with those who take advice is what? Wisdom. There's wisdom with those who take advice. Well, that means you're receiving advice if you're taking it. Where are you receiving it from? From this community of people that you're sharing life with, that are following God alongside you. And he's saying there's wisdom in this community and receiving wisdom and advice from from this community that you share life with that follows God. In verse 20 of chapter 13, he says, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Again, he's elevating this importance of if you, you as a parent want to be wise in your parenting, you need to spend time with wise people. And if you want your children to be wise and making good choices that are pointing them to Jesus, they too need to spend time with people that are doing the same. Chapter 15, verse 22. He says, Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. Again, he's elevating the importance of this community, of spending time with these people who follow God. Many advisors. There's there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. And then in chapter 24, verse 6. He says this, For by wise guidance you can wage your war, and in an abundance of counselors there is victory. So he's talked about victory, he's talked about safety, he's talked about protection, he's talked about guidance and wisdom that comes from sharing life in a community where you're receiving wisdom and guidance with others who also are wise and pointing people to Jesus. And so he elevates and talks about the influence of spending time with others who follow Christ, follow God. And I can tell you from personal experience, the names that I listed and shared with you, multiple conversations Andrew and I have had with different people in that list. I don't know what to do with my kids right now. I'm not sure how to handle this situation. I remember being when we lived in Ireland for two and a half years alongside Tim and Kathy Laughlin. Tim and I would meet regularly for coffee and they're about 15 years older than us. And so they were kind of out of the stage that we were in. And I would say, how do you do this? I don't know how to do this as a dad. Help me. And there's great wisdom that I received from him and from others in that community that we've been sharing life with and have shared life with over the years. But this isn't just in Proverbs. We see this also in the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6. So if you join me there. Deuteronomy 6 chapter chapter 6 verses 4 through 7. We've been here multiple times throughout this study. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 4 through 7. God is speaking and he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. 
Now, who is God speaking to here? Is he speaking just specifically to parents? He says, hear, oh, who? The whole community of Israel. He's talking to the whole community. And so the whole community, God's community, is, is hearing this specific instruction to parents. And so it would seem then that God has this intentionality, this expectation that parenting, discipling our children is going to happen in the context of a community who's following God. He says, hear, O Israel. And so this command is, is given to the whole community. And so I think there's this expectation or this assumption that you're going to be parenting in the context of a community of people who follow Christ. And we see a, a great illustration of this in the New Testament, the book of Acts, Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. Verses 1 through 3. The Apostle Paul has been out on his missionary journeys. He has traveled from city to city, and he would come into a city. He would share the good news of Jesus. People would repent and surrender their lives to Jesus, and then they would gather together, and churches would form and multiply and so forth. And, and, and so Paul would return and visit those communities, those churches, to check on them, to encourage them. And so he comes here to a, a, a specific city in a couple towns, and we'll pick it up here in verse 1 of Acts chapter 16. And it says, Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers and sisters at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. And I think it's so easy for us to just blitz right past verse 2. And miss something about the importance and a priority of Timothy's mom. Many believe that Timothy was a teenager, around 16 or 17 years of age, when Paul came and visited this house church community. So here's Timothy, a teenager, and he's part of this community of followers of Jesus and he doesn't say specifically if he's looking for someone to add to his team, but what we see is this house church, you know, can you imagine the Apostle Paul? He's coming to town, and, you know, he's, I mean, you'd be pumped. You'd be excited, right? I mean, think of somebody famous, whatever, today that's in the Christian, I mean, I don't know, name anyone, right? They're coming, you know, David Platt, J John Piper, Matt Chandler, I don't know. You know, he's coming to your, you know, house church at night or whatever, whoever you listen to, you know, and you're like, oh, man, you want everything to be perfect, and and he comes and he just observes and he participates in your meeting and your time together. And as you're sharing life, you know, let's just say the Apostle Paul. Why not? That'll work. How about the Apostle Paul comes to your house church meeting and he's going to show up. And you're talking to him before, during, and after. And you get wind that, um, yeah, he's actually, actually looking to add some people, bring some people on his global missionary team. And you start saying, man, I got to tell you about this kid, Timothy. Man, I've had conversation with, after conversation with him. Our families have hung out since they were little. We had Timothy over when he was a boy for play dates. We went to Coney together. You know, we saw him. We saw those days when he was pretty disrespectful to his mom. But man, we've been able to observe him over the years. And this is a kid that has a passion for Jesus. 
He just has a passion for the Lord. Now, this is not Timothy's parents saying this. These are the people in their community that are saying this about Timothy. They're saying he's well spoken of. To the point that these people would recommend that Timothy, a teenager, leave his mom and dad and go with Apostle Paul to the mission field full time. How does this happen? It happens because Timothy's mom made it a priority to disciple her son in a Christ-centered community. You don't get to know and speak well of a teenager by just coming on a Sunday and seeing them from a distance for 60 minutes every week. You don't get to a point to where you can recommend him to go with the Apostle Paul. Full-time missions without spending time with that boy, apart from just the meeting. That happens because during the meeting, you've had conversation with him before, during, after. You've hung out with him. You've had maybe Timothy and his mom in your home for dinner and just to encourage them. And you've spent time with You've shared life with them because there's this community thing that's happening. You don't, you don't get to a point to where these people aren't getting to a point to where they can speak well of Timothy enough to say that as a teenager, he should probably leave his mom and dad and go with the Apostle Paul to the mission field full time. That doesn't happen from just spending 60 minutes with him and not even talking to him or whatever, engaging him every so often on a Sunday morning. It comes because they were in community together. They were having conversation. They were sharing life together. They got to see Timothy and his character over the years. And so they are able to speak well of him because they've spent time with him. They've been able to observe him. And because Timothy's mom made it a priority to disciple him in a community of people who follow Jesus. Can you imagine what that did for Timothy? Imagine what, here's this teenage kid in your house church. Can you imagine him standing there hearing these people speak well of him? What that would have done for his faith? In Christ, something powerful is happening in verse two, and I think we we can't we can't miss it. He ends up being chosen by the apostle Paul. He ends up pastoring a church. Timothy does, being part of this global missionary team because his mom. We're not sure if his dad was there or not. We, the way it reads, it would seem like his dad wasn't involved in church wasn't a follower of Jesus. We don't know for sure, but, but it didn't matter. Timothy's mom made it a priority that she and he would be part of a Christ-centered community. And we see the impact of that right here. But another passage, Titus chapter 2. The Apostle Paul writes to a pastor friend of his, Titus, another gentleman that traveled with him on his missionary journeys. And Titus is overseeing a bunch of churches on the island of Crete during the first century. And so Paul writes this letter to Titus, and he says, Hey, Titus, when you're with the churches, with the leaders, I want you to instruct them on a few things, and here's some of the things you need to instruct them on. In chapter 2, he begins, he says, But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children. You see what he says there? 
Verse 3, older women are likewise, and they are to teach what is good, and so train the younger women in marriage and parenting. So he's saying there's, there's this community thing that's happening, and in that community, when that happens, when they're together, there should be this, this discipleship that's happening. Older women are discipling the younger women, and some of the things they're discipling them in are, are marriage and parenting. Well, it seems as if Paul just assumes that that's, well, you're, you're in community together, so, when, this is just, so make sure this happens. Just make sure that this is going on. And when they're together, they're discussing, you know, how to love their husbands, how to love their kids. And it's one of the reasons why I love house churches. Why I love what God is doing because a lot of this is happening just organically within the context of what happens on Friday night, Saturday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, whatever night. And it's just happening where there's this, this discipleship happening, older, younger, 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 older, older, all this going on, right? That's just, I can think back to a couple, couple months ago when, uh, during one of our Anderson House Church meetings, and Red and Emily were leading our worship time, and they're not parents yet, newly married, and, but, and God is using them to have a powerful impact in our house church community, not just with us, but with our kids, and so here they are, by their example, discipling our kids, by leading our worship time. And one of the things that they did that particular night, Red and said, hey, I just want us to take a moment and pause and just listen to the Holy Spirit. And if the Spirit brings someone to mind that's in our group tonight, for you to say a word of encouragement, just feel free to speak that out. And man, I tell you what, so we had from two-year-old up to 18-year-old, with us. So this is all of us in this little room. It's in Megan Browarski's home. Right? In this little little front room. We're just crammed in there together. Kids, big kids, bigger kids, right? And what began to happen was you had adults start speaking words of encouragement over children, not their own, but other children in that community that night. People in tears. These little kids are hearing, you know what, I, God brought you to mind. And I remember saying a word over Daniel Browarski, you know, oldest of, oldest boy, but, you know, part of, there's five kids and he's, and he's the oldest brother in the group. And I said, man, for whatever, God brought Daniel to mind. I said, Daniel, God just wants you to know you're a good big brother. I see how you are with your your younger siblings and just how you care for them. And then other adults were chiming in and saying things over other kids. And it was awesome. It was amazing. And I was so thankful that I got to be part of that, but that my kids were able to experience that too. Why? The kids that were there that night were able to experience something so powerful and able to see what it looks like to follow Jesus and love him with all. Why? Because their moms and dads made it a priority to disciple their kids in the context of a Christ-centered community. And what, has done, what that did for our children is powerful. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10. Verses 19 through 25. 
So here we see in the Old Testament Proverbs and Deuteronomy, and we see this illustrated in the New Testament, in the book of Acts. And then Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25, and the writer of Hebrews is writing to pretty much encourage the church. It's a, it's a time when it was difficult being a Christian. There was threat of persecution, and life was crazy and busy, and just it was just hard. Just hard to be a follower of Jesus during that time period. And he says this in Hebrews 10, verse 19. He says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So here the writer is encouraging this Christ-centered community of people to to persevere, to endure, to stay the course. And so if we apply this truth, this principle through the lens of parenting, when parenting gets hard, when you're struggling to create that environment to show your kids what it looks like to follow Jesus. And when it just gets hard and you feel like, ugh, it's just so difficult. You know, it's hard to get up. It's hard to get there. It's hard to get them to the house or whatever. And you're just struggling. You want to. The desire's there. But just, what's he say to do? Get with the community. He says, no, some people have, have abandoned being with that community. Don't do that. What you need in those times more than ever is not to withdraw yourself from the community, but to engage more that community of Christ. Why? Because that community is a people, they're going to be the people who will stir you up to love and good deeds, to stay faithful, to stay the course in your own relationship with Jesus, and then even as you parent your children toward a relationship with Jesus. Again, we see scripture lifting up this importance of sharing life and parenting and discipling children in the context of community. Howard Macy, who is a professor emeritus at George Fox University, said this, God from the beginning never intended that we should go through the world alone. We simply cannot experience fully the power and delight of life with God without also being drawn into life together with our sisters and brothers in Christ. Without experiencing such life together, we, and I would add we and our children, will not discover how wonderful, the new, how wonderful the news about Jesus really is. Read that last sentence again. Without experiencing such life together, we, our children, will not discover how wonderful the news about Jesus really is. I can tell you, my children have learned so much about Jesus, not just from Andrea and me, but from the names of people that I listed earlier and from the people in this room. And I'm so thankful. When I was studying this this week, I just had to pause and just say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for going to the cross and making me part of this family that has helped me. Helped me in my relationship with Jesus to help my kids See what it looks like to follow Jesus and love him. The last passage we'll look at this morning, Ephesians chapter 2. I read it earlier. 
but I want us to look at verses 19 and 20. Ephesians 2, verse 19 and 20. Well, let's pick it up, verse 13, and then we'll jump down to 19, or 18 and 19. He says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He's saying you've been brought near into this relationship with God because of Christ and his cross, which the bread and cup reminded us of that earlier. Then in verse 18, for through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens or foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Do you see what he's saying there? There's so much he's saying there, but one of the things he's communicating is that Jesus died on a cross so that you could be part of a community of Christ to do life with. One of the beautiful blessings of the cross is that you're not alone. Not alone in the sense, also in the sense, yeah, God is with you, but God expresses his presence often through his people that are with you too. And he's saying, you don't have to do this thing alone. You are not intended to do this thing alone. And it's as if he's saying the cross is evidence that if you want to create this environment for your children where they value following Jesus and loving him with all their hearts, then do that in the context of a Christ-centered community. It's one of the blessings of the cross. And so from Scripture, I hope we can see that God's heart is to provide parents a community centered on Jesus to help us point our kids to Jesus. And if you know a single mom, if you're a single mom or a single dad, this is great. This is good news. The gospel is good news on so many levels. But if you know someone, a single mom, a single dad, the gospel makes you part of a community so that you're not parenting on your own. You have a community of people to come alongside you to help you in this journey of discipling your children. Brag on our, our house church for, for a little bit more. I don't know how long it was ago, but the Brarskis, I mentioned them. Megan's a single mom, five kids. Moved into a home uh, to rent a home a while ago. I'm not sure how many bedrooms are in their home. I think three. Um, but she's got five kids, five little ones. Megan gets a room. The oldest daughter, Jenna, is going to get a room. Four boys, one room. One bed ain't going to cut it. They need some bunk beds. So another family in our house church community had some bunk beds. They were getting rid of some of theirs, and they were transitioning rooms and different things. And they said, well, why don't we just give Megan these bunk beds? So they took him down from their house and took their oldest son, I believe, with them. And they went to Megan's home and they put them all up and set them up in those room, in their room. And, and now that need is met. This family, there's so much happening in that, that little story because Megan was vulnerable enough to share what needs she had. That happens in the context of a, of a community. And then that needs get shared, and then another person senses the Spirit of God moving in them to, to act and give their stuff away. But what I want you to see in that is what do those kids experience as they see that happening? 
What do the kids of the family who gave the bunk beds away see about what it looks like to follow Jesus and love him with all your heart? What do they get to see? Wow, really? We're gonna do we're gonna give this away? Yeah, it's what we think about what Jesus has done for us. Let's do this. And then what do those Browarski kids learn about following Jesus? And how Jesus provides and meets our needs. And he met our needs through a community who follows Jesus just like we are. Jesus died to make us part of a community of people to do life with and disciple our children with. And so the question that I ask is, what now? As a band comes, you say, well, what, what do I do now? Well, as I was thinking through this earlier this week, I was thinking it, there are three things that came to mind as far as application. I think the f- first two are, are somewhat simple responses, maybe not easy to implement, but I think they're natural responses. The first is if you are not involved sharing life with a Christ-centered community, like it's not a priority, you're not specifically for us in our context, the house church, start and stay consistent. Start and stay consistent. And this is not just for parents. You say, well, I don't have any kids. Right. Okay, I get that. But it's here, O Israel. The context of community. The kids in that community need you there to have those conversations with them before, during, and after. To love on them. To play with them. To encourage them. To just smile with them. Right? To listen to them. So this isn't, these applications aren't just for parents, right? But if you're not sharing life with a Christ-centered community, you start. Start and stay consistent. Allow the Spirit of God to use that community to come alongside you as you parent and to come alongside your kids. The second is, if you are sharing life with a Christ-centered community, then take a next intentional step toward discipling the children in that community. What can you do? Maybe it's take a turn and help watch the kids one night during, one, during the meeting. Or maybe it's just simply playing with them or talking to them before, or during, or after. Maybe it's having them do play dates with other kids and parents that are in your community. Maybe it's volunteering here and helping with living kids on a Sunday morning, which many of you do. But I think a next natural application is to just take a next step and be intentional and discipling the children in the community. And then this third one kind of came to mind as I was praying through it. And, and I was thinking about all the different people in my life that have helped point me to Jesus when I was a kid, in addition to my parents, and that have helped me as a, mom, as, as a dad and helped Andrea as a mom. And I was like, you know what? How cool would it be to just send them a note and encourage them? Just say, say thank you. So that's what that postcard there is for you at your seat. Beautifully designed by our own Hannah Dickens, I will add. But I want you to take that postcard. I want you to ask the Spirit of God to bring someone to mind that maybe helped point you to Jesus or has helped you point your kids to Jesus. And what I'd like for you to do is write a handwritten note, put that in the mail, and send it to them. If you don't know their address, whitepages.com. All right. Why do all this? Because Jesus Christ died on a cross to give us each other. And you have gifts and abilities and you're wired a certain way to come alongside the children in our 
church and our community to help point them to Jesus. And so I just want you to ask this question. Think about this question. What's the Spirit of God saying to me right now about sharing life with a Christ-centered community? What's He saying to me right now about coming alongside those with children or coming alongside our children and just pointing them to Jesus? What's He saying? Could you just close your eyes and ask the Lord to show you what that looks like? What's He saying to you this morning? What's your response? Maybe you need to repent of your selfishness because you've been avoiding being with the church, whatever fear is keeping you from people. Maybe you need to just rejoice and thank Jesus for the people that he's placed in your life that have come alongside you. I don't know, but what's he saying to you? But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of of Christ, the wonderful name of Jesus. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. And as we sing these last couple of songs, let, allow the Spirit of God to just speak to your heart. And you respond, be obedient to what he's telling you to do. But then as we think about Christ this morning, the fact that he has given you the people behind you, the people in front of you, the people on your left, the people on your right, and the people you share life with, who follow Jesus, he's made you a part of a family. And he is so good. Lord Jesus, receive this as our offering, as our expression of worship to you for going to the cross, for coming back to life and making us part of your family, your household, God. Father, thank you for being the perfect father, the perfect parent. Holy Spirit, move among us now as we sing, as we worship, and as we carry out these truths and these principles for your honor, for your glory, and for your name. Amen.